We've started our series called Miracles a couple weeks ago. We're in week three, and uh, it's Miracles, God's Power to Change Your Life. And what we're doing is we're looking at the things that God does in the Scriptures, because God can do anything, but He doesn't do just anything. Like, for example, if I was to pray, Lord, give me the ability to fly, would I have success with that? What if I prayed for two weeks straight, every day, Lord, give me the ability to fly, and then at two weeks in, I still can't fly, and so then I get all mad at God because, well, I prayed and they never made me able to fly. Is that a problem with God not being attentive to my needs, or am I just out of bounds with that one? That's just me not thinking the right thoughts about what God can do. Just because God can do anything doesn't mean He does do anything. And so we need to know what are the sorts of things that God does. What can we believe for? What can we uh, understand as an extraordinary miracle? And what are miracles that everyone can experience that we can all grab hold of? If we understand this, then we can expect things from God that are in line with His Word, and we can receive good things. And so far, we've talked about two specific categories of miracles. We talked about the miracle of God intervening in someone's life, taking them off of one path that leads to destruction, and putting them on another path. Taking them off of being uh, hurtful to others, being self-destructive, and ending in, in total destruction versus being born again, brought into a new life of being a blessing and helping other people and ending an everlasting life. And that's the miracle of being born again. We talked about the Apostle Paul who was Saul and God intervened in his life, took him and put him on a different path. And the amazing thing about this miracle is if we want to participate in this miracle, it doesn't take a miracle from God. It just takes a sacrifice. And that sacrifice has already been made by Jesus Christ on the cross. And so anyone can be born again. Anyone can be taken off of one path that leads to destruction and be brought onto the path God intended for them. And the old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. That is the first miracle, the miracle of being born again. And then last week we talked about the heart miracle, the miracle of a heart transplant or a heart surgery, a changed heart. And we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the specific angle we took, because there's a lot to talk about with that, was the, the washing of the Holy Spirit over our hearts. And we looked at the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now there's a difference between reading this scripture and believing this scripture. Have you ever read the scripture and it just sort of floated by? What if we believed it? The promise is that we are to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That means to be just immersed, totally washed in. So our heart that's bitter, our heart that is enraged and angry, our heart that is prideful, our heart that is full of anxiety and depression, those things in our heart, the promise of the scripture is that the Holy Spirit would wash over us and these fruits of the Spirit, go back to 22, 
What if in your heart you were filled with love, joy, peace, patience? What, how many problems would it solve for you if this was your heart condition? If you were to get a heart transplant from the old heart to this heart? Oh man, how much easier would you be to live with if these things were the, the heart condition that you had? Full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Man, oh man. There's a contradiction in the ugly-hearted Christian. It doesn't make sense. You ever met an ugly-hearted Christian? You can tell it doesn't make sense, right? You just think, this is, this is wrong. This is weird. This shouldn't be like this. So we don't want to be ugly-hearted Christians. We want to be washed in the fruit of the Spirit to receive the love of God this peace, this patience, all the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to grab hold of that. And that heart transplant is a miracle. It's a miracle from God. We grab hold of it because it's God's plan. And we believe Him to do a work in our own hearts. This week, we're going to go to another category of miracles. This is the category of visions, dreams, and the still small voice. Hearing from God, communicating from God. So let's pray, and we'll get into new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your scriptures, and you guide us by your word. Lord, you guide us by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, guide us this morning. Help us to see what you've got for us. Help us to grab hold of what you have. Each one of us is dealing with something different. We're fighting different battles. And Lord, I pray by your spirit that you would help each one of us to draw closer to you and to take a step up in serving you better. So Lord, just bless this time this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Visions, dreams, and the still small voice. Who wants to hear from God? Who needs to hear from God? Amen. (laughs) Amen. So, If we want to hear from God, we need to hear from God. We need to find out, is this something God does? Does He communicate with people? And we see over and over in the Scriptures, people having dreams, people having visions. There are signs and miracles, and there's the still small voice. So there's quite a variety of ways that God communicates with people. And when I was doing the research on this, it was interesting to see that God gives dreams and visions to believers and to people who aren't believers. It was very interesting. Pharaoh has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. You know, this cupbearer and the baker have dreams. These are from God that God's people interpret for them. Uh, Pilate's wife has a dream. Interesting stuff. There are dreams that are from God that are given to people who aren't believers, and there are dreams that are from God that are given to people who are believers. The classic, I think, Example of a dream given from God is Jacob. After he runs away, his brother wants to kill him. He's been pulling some junk. And so he's got trouble at home. So he flees with nothing. And he's going to go to sleep with a rock as his pillow. So let's read that in Genesis 28, uh, starting in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He's all alone. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. How, how good are you doing financially if you're sleeping on a rock? You know, I mean, this is, he's having a bad day. 
Verse 12. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Next verse. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This is a dream. It's not an angel that comes. It's not a vision. It's a dream. And Jacob believes it's from God and it comes to pass. It's a communication from God, an encouragement to Jacob in a dream. Visions also happen. That's when you're awake. You know, like Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, we talked about on the road to Damascus, had a vision from Jesus. Knocked him down. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. A vision. Saul was not a believer when that happened. But then Ananias got a vision. Go pray for Saul. Go you know, pray for him that he may be healed and receive the Holy Spirit. And so Ananias, a believer, had a vision. This is God communicating with people. Then there are signs and wonders. You know, there was Gideon who put out the fleece. Did a little bit of research on Gideon. God spoke to him directly. And then he still put out a fleece. Fleeces are a little dangerous. You know, God can show us things through circumstances, but don't be setting yourself up for problems. You know, like, uh, don't flip a coin. God, show me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip a coin. Should I do this or that? Show me by my coin flip. He doesn't have to do that. You might just be flipping a coin on your own. So there's things that we can, we can have happen. Now, uh, when it comes to Signs and wonders and visions and dreams. God does that, and I believe God still does that. I had a vision. I've had about three seconds worth of vision in my life. You know, that's pretty exciting stuff. Um, So these are unusual things, and I think that we can run into trouble if we are seeking after, clamoring after, really, really trying to have dreams and visions and, and certain things happen If they happen, great. Be open. But if you are really, 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 really wanting to see a vision, you can open yourself up to stuff that maybe wouldn't be the best. So be open to what the Lord is doing, but don't chase after those sorts of things too aggressively. The normal rubber-meets-the-road way that we hear from God is through the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the normal, everyday hearing from God is the still, small voice. And so we need to get to know the still, small voice. We need to understand how that works. And so let's read the promise, pieces of the promise that Jesus gives about the Holy Spirit who would come after him. So John the Baptist said Jesus would come after me. Jesus says he's going to send another counselor, another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And so John chapter 14, starting in verse 15, we'll read a few verses here. 
I love this one. I couldn't leave it off. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Do you love Jesus? What's his favorite love language? Obedience. (laughs) That's a nice one. That isn't in the book, I don't think. Obedience. You know, the five love languages. This is a sixth. You know, do what I say. If you've got a hierarchy, you know what I mean? Because it's not all of us hanging out with Jesus. It's, It's God and us, right? And so if God says, do this, we say, yes, sir. God's love language, one of his love languages, is obedience. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. For how long? Forever. That's a long time. Are we still in forever? We're still in that. There you go. Verse 17. And this counselor will be the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So just leave that verse up for a little while. So what Jesus is saying is there will be communication with you through the Holy Spirit, and some people are going to get it, and some people aren't going to get it. Some people are going to understand. Other people aren't going to understand. Is that true? This is true. Some people understand, some people don't. I went from not understanding to understanding. So this can be a little tricky because some people think it's goofy, but this is a promise in the scripture that we will have the Holy Spirit to guide us. Let's read a couple more verses, 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, will teach you all things. So we can learn all kinds of things from the Holy Spirit and will remind you of what I have said to you. Have you ever been in a situation and a scripture just pops up? That's this promise right here. I'll remind you. And a scripture will hit you and you'll be like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit showing you something, revealing something to you. We have this promise that the Holy Spirit is our guide through life to teach us and to guide us. Isn't that a fantastic promise? Oh man, let's grab hold of this promise. What an incredible, incredible promise. Now I'm going to give a few personal examples of being spirit-led so that, you know, you can just hear some testimonies. Now, I'm sure there's many, many testimonies in the crowd this morning, but let me just give a few from my own life. Uh, When I was a new Christian, you know, when you're a new Christian, God does special things for you. You know, I've been in this in this for a while now and it gets to be different. There's a maturing of the relationship. But I think God just loves to bless new Christians and do amazing miracles with them. One of my one of my favorite examples is I was going to a wedding in in uh, Indiana. Following my father-in-law. Now I'm old. Did you know I'm old? It's an amazing it's crazy stuff. I was married before the age of cell phones. So there were no cell phones, and I'm married, and I'm following my father-in-law to Indiana for a wedding. And my father-in-law loves the gas pedal more than he loves the rearview mirror, okay? <laughs> Just, so my job was to, 
be on his tail till we stop somewhere in Indiana. Like, all right, sounds good. I'm just going to follow him. And then, flat tire. So he's gone. You know, he's just gone. We're somewhere in Illinois. You know, I'm like, oh, it's not so good. So I got the Mercury Grand Marquis. You know, I mean, that thing was awesome. Loved that thing. It was a great car. And uh, put the donut on. And so, I, you know, we're, we're alone in Illinois with a donut trying to follow somebody who's going to Indiana. You know, like, what do we do? Pull up to the border of Indiana and say, where's the wedding? You know, I mean, it's, it's not going to work out real good. And I'm like, well, we can't drive to Indiana on the donut. So we don't know where he's at anyway. So we pulled off. We went about 10 miles off the interstate, got the tire fixed. Now we got real sized tires. We come back onto the interstate. It's been about an hour and a half. And we're just like, well, I guess we point ourselves towards Indiana. And so get onto the on ramp, and it's crowded with cars. And there's a car that I don't know if I should hit the gas and go in front of or if I should slow down and get behind and usually hit the gas and get in front of, right? Uh, And so I'm pulling up and it's my in-laws in that car. It's been an hour and a half, no phones, no ability to communicate. Just like, Lord, you got to help us out here. Boom, there they are. Like, and we waved and they waved. It was just awesome, you know? And like, like it's like, woo they, they eventually noticed we were nowhere to be found. They stopped at a toll, waited for a while. Nothing. They turned back. Then they drove forever, didn't see us, turned around again. And then we met up with them right smack dab. Now, isn't that God being nice? Oh, hallelujah. So God does neat things to new Christians. He just blesses people in super fun ways. And when I was a brand new Christian, I would ask God questions and he would give me answers. And that was fun, you know. And one question I asked him was, Lord, I just want to hook up with the right group. Which group is right? You know, which one is right? Which denomination, which religious group, which group is the one that's got your truth and the other, all the other ones are wrong? Which is the right group? Isn't that a good question? That's a good question. What was the answer? The answer was, none of them are right. Every group has people in it. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect denomination. It's just a bunch of people with flaws trying to do the best they can to serve the Lord. And we can be better at it or worse at it. But how many of us are perfect? And so that made it a lot easier because I knew I didn't have to join the perfect group. I just had to join a group that was serving the Lord. And hey, I'll be one of the imperfect people serving the Lord too. And let's get, let's get to work. Let's get something done. Now there's groups that are like heretical, right? <laughs> They're like way off. And then there's groups that are doing pretty good. Well, let's be doing pretty good. And we'll be trying to get better. But to think there's perfection is just a wrong idea. It will cause you to be dissatisfied with the people you're serving with. It'll cause you to be dissatisfied with your church, your local church, your denomination. But let me tell you what. Hook up and let's get some work done because it's not, we're just not perfect. But we should strive to get better. And so that was very helpful to me. None of them are right, meaning none of them are perfect. That's what I had in my heart. Um, Let me give you 
another story. I'll, I'll weave that in here in just a little bit. All right. So, is it possible that this whole still small voice of the Holy Spirit thing can get mis- messed up? Like it, it can just not work right. You know, like there can be people who think they've heard from God, but they haven't. There can be people who uh, are pretending they've heard from God to manipulate you. This thing can get kind of funny. There can be things that don't work right with this. So how do we navigate this still small voice? Because I don't hear your still small voice. You don't hear my still small voice. So how do we get good at hearing the still small voice of God if this is the primary way, uh, the day-by-day, rubber-meets-the-road, hearing-from-God situation? How do we get good at this? How do we navigate it? Well, I'm going to give you four helpful tips. All right? And we're going to go from there. Helpful tip number one on hearing the still small voice and being able to hear from God is be honest. Helpful tip number one, be honest. I was listening to a a preacher one time and he was talking about when he was a, a younger man and he got to ride in the car with a big name spiritual mentor teacher guy you know and he was like oh this is so sweet and uh when when this guy was young you know he was up and coming and there was potential for him and and he was really excited to learn from this other guy and uh the other guy as they're driving all of a sudden he goes who did you feel that oh you know like 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 the spirit fell in the car and he's like oh and uh and the other guy's like, oh, you're like, what's going on? You know, and the other guy's like, woohoo, do you feel that? Man, the spirit is thick. And he's like, he didn't know what to do. He didn't feel anything. You know, it's like, here's this fancy spiritual mentor guy. He's, he's doing this. Like, I should be feeling something, right? I must not be spiritually developed enough because I'm not feeling anything. He didn't know what to do. And here's what he did. He said, when the guy said, you feel that? He said, no. <laughs> And the other guy said, neither did I. And here's why. Because so many times people, they'll just mimic, they'll pretend, and they'll, it's just fake. Let's be honest. Let's be real. If if God's putting something on your heart, hallelujah. If he's not, don't think, don't manufacture anything. If you're just in during worship and just the spirit is thick hallelujah if you're standing there hoping it would be better just be honest about that that's okay pretending is dangerous let's be honest so tip number one about hearing from god is being honest our god is god of truth we're not going to draw closer to him by pretending or being dishonest um and it can be dangerous let's read deuteronomy 18 Uh, Verses 19 and 20. It's a serious thing to say, I felt led or God told me. Let's do Deuteronomy 18, 19 and 20. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. So God is saying, this is serious when you hear from me. 
But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be put to death. Yay, New Testament, New Covenant, we're not going to kill anybody. Praise God for that. But here's the deal. It's very serious. If I say I've heard from God, but I haven't, that's a very, very dangerous, bad, bad thing. And so if I say to you, God told me, but God didn't tell me, I'm not being honest, and that's dangerous. So let's always be honest. If you say God told me, you're prophesying. That's prophecy. God told me I should do this. That's prophecy. God will speak to you through the still small voice, but be honest. You might even say something like, I think God is showing me this, but I'm not sure. That's okay. You can say to someone, I think that the Lord is wanting me to tell you this. Would you listen to it and then evaluate it? That's fine. If you know, know God has shown you something, then you can say, I believe God has shown me this. And and you share it. But don't pretend. We can be too loose with God showed me this. Um, God told me this. We can be too loose with that. That's, that's taking the name of the Lord in vain. It's misusing the name of the Lord. If we say God told me when God didn't. So let's take that very seriously. Be honest. Always be honest. So that's tip number one. Be honest. Tip number two. Be obedient. When you ignore or refuse God, your heart becomes calloused. If you're not obedient to what God shows you, you get better and better at being disobedient. When the Holy Spirit shows you something, and and the Spirit can show us things in in words or in feelings, you know, there's lots of different things that can happen. And when we ignore that, then we get less information from God. When I was a new believer, I was a wildly introverted human being. How many wild introverts do we have in the room? You won't raise your hand, will you? Oh, there they are. <laughs> Look at that. Nice. That's pretty good. You're stepping out. So that's good. I'll tell you how introverted I was. So like if I was somewhere and I was traveling or something like that and I got hungry and there was a McDonald's, I would choose not to eat rather than say, can I have uh, the number four, because it was just easier to not eat. So that's the level of introvert that I'm talking about right here. And uh, so I'm a new believer. I'm maybe 24, 23 at this stage. I'm not sure exactly. Um, and God clearly shows me, say this specific thing to this specific person. Have you ever had that? I should say this to this person. And I'm like, you get the butterflies and you're all scared, you know. I'm like, oh, should I do that? And, and I just chickened out. I was just like, no, I can't, oh, I can't do it. And I, I didn't do it. The problem is, is I'd done that a couple times already. And I just wasn't doing what God showed me to do. And what happened then was not a fun part of my early Christian Uh, experience, which was six months of silence. Have you ever prayed and you just feel like you're just there by yourself? Open the Bible and it's just dry. 
singing songs and you're just singing songs. It's not worship. Asking God for direction, you get nothing. Six months of silence. I'd come up for prayer after church. Hey, I was disobedient. I need God to reconnect with me. Didn't help. Six months of quiet. I think a lot of people are in that place where they've ignored God, they've pushed aside what He's shown them, they haven't done it, and they're not going to do it anyway, so God's not going to show them anything. We must be obedient. It's a painful thing to be separated from God when we've been walking with God. Be obedient. That's how we show love to the living God. So be honest. Be obedient. Helpful hint number three, get to know your heart's voice versus the Holy Spirit's voice. This is the primary mistake people uh, have happened when they are listening, trying to listen for the Holy Spirit's guidance, the still small voice, is their voice speaks louder than the still small voice and they think their voice then is the Holy Spirit. That's the primary error that people make. And so... There are th- different ways you can learn the difference between your inner voice and the Holy Spirit's voice. One thing that's very helpful is fasting. Fasting is very helpful because the Holy Spirit, while you're fasting, will not whisper in your ear, apple pie. <laughs> so when you're fasting and you hear apple pie, you're like, Okay, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's my own inner voice. And you can get to know what that sounds like. And that will happen. Oh, don't bother with it. It doesn't make any difference anyway. Is that the Holy Spirit? Well, no. So then you can tell. Okay, this is my flesh. This is my inner voice. And so that's not the Holy Spirit. Now I can hear the difference. And I should say this before I go any farther. This was in my notes, but I missed it. Look at this book. The Holy Bible is the primary first level of how God communicates with us. The Bible. And so I'm talking about things that aren't in the Bible. What do we name the church? Let's look and see. The church in Cloquet. What do we, it's not in there. How about Good Hope Church? Okay, the, well, Good Hope Church. There we go. These are things we have to seek the Lord on because it's not in the Scriptures. But if there are mandates in the Scripture that we somehow feel don't apply to us, you're not hearing from God. If there are things that are inconsistent with the Word of God that we think God has shown us, not from God. Okay, so the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Bible is is the foundation that we need to stand on and then we seek the Lord for things beyond that. So... Fasting is a a good way to tell the difference between my heart's voice and the Holy Spirit's voice. Obedience is key. When you actually do it, when you think, oh, I should say this to this person, you you have the courage and you go up to them and say, I really feel like the Lord is showing me to, uh, and I hope I'm not out of bounds, but I think He's telling me to to say this to you. And then they start to cry. Then you're like, okay, that was God. And then when they look at you funny, you think, okay, maybe that wasn't God. 
<laughs> you know, and as you, as you practice obedience, you start to learn the difference between getting caught up in emotion versus the Holy Spirit's leading. A personal desire versus the Holy Spirit's leading. Because the Holy Spirit will tell you things you don't want to hear. Did you know that? The primary way we're redirected and uh, chastised or disciplined by God is through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And then if we keep ignoring that, it escalates. So go ahead and listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit first. And then you don't need greater discipline down the road. You won't walk into difficulties worse and worse down the road. So we want to get to know the difference between our own heart's voice and the, the Holy Spirit's voice in us. Because if we get that wrong, if we think we're hearing from God, but we're hearing from us, this is a bad thing. Because now I am basically trying to get people to do what I want and playing the God card on it, rather than seek, you know, being divinely led. Those are two very, very different things. I want this, so I'm going to tell you it's God. Versus God's true leading. Those are two very, very different things. You want to have the right thing. So be honest, be obedient. Work to get to know the difference between your heart's voice and the Holy Spirit's voice. And the fourth one, uh, before we close, is don't make fun of people who are trying to be (laughs) Spirit-led. That is actually very important. Uh, Don't make fun of people who are trying to get to know the still small voice of God. Because when we mock that, then we're setting ourselves up to really be at odds with these sorts of things. And so, is God going to respond by sending the still small voice to someone who is mocking people who are trying to hear the still small voice? That's That's just not how it goes. We want to have a right heart. We need to learn the things of God. We need to uh, find these things out. And it's a process. We have to learn. We have to grow. So don't make fun of people who are trying to be spirit-led. It's very, very important. I'm going to invite the, the prayer teams and the ushers up. We're going to take communion this morning. And uh, as they come up, let me tell you one, uh, one way that I changed my prayer life in order to hear from God better. Have you ever prayed, God, what do you want me to do? Have you ever prayed that? I think that's a good prayer. But I stopped praying that prayer. I stopped praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Isn't that interesting? Why would someone stop praying that prayer? Well, go ahead. You're you're doing awesome. Thank you. Why would someone stop praying the prayer, God, what do you want me to do? Because that's a good prayer, right? It's a good prayer. But I was finding, yeah, go ahead. Sooner the quicker, as my dad used to say. Um, Why would someone stop saying, God, what do you want me to do? I found that as I prayed that over and over and over, it became me-centered. It was about me. And then if I'm trying to hear from God instead of my inner voice, and all I'm doing is talking about me, it's going to be difficult. And so I began praying, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in Cloquet? What do you want to do in my family? 
What do you want to do in this church? What do you want to do with my kids? What do you want to do in the ministerial alliance? What do you want to do, Lord? And what's my role? What do you want to do? What does God want to do in Cloquet? Isn't it easier to see what God wants you to do when we stop asking, what do you want me to do? And we ask, what do you want to do? God wants churches working together to advance the kingdom of God. God wants believers standing together and encouraging one another. God wants strife eliminated. God wants revival in Cloquet. What's my role in that? That's the next question. So it's important to ask the right questions. As we take communion, I want us to ask a question. I find it's very helpful. If we want to hear from God, we should ask a question. And then wait. And be patient. And listen. When we take communion, I want us to ask this question. And then listen for the still small voice of God. And the question is this. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? Our communion scripture from the book of Matthew. Let's read Matthew 26, 26 through 28. While they were eating, this is at the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Other places we see, do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus is explaining that his body is broken for us and that his blood was shed for us. We can see in the scriptures his body was broken for our healing and his blood was shed for our forgiveness. And so we see the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to make so that we could receive blessings from God. We are not to forget, we are to remember. That's why we celebrate communion uh, the first weekend of every month so that we don't forget the sacrifice that Jesus has made But let's pause and ask this question. Why would you do this? So let's take a moment. Just ask the Lord as you look at the elements and you remember what Jesus has done. Why? Why would you do this? Heavenly Father, we honor you in this place. We thank you for the love you have for us. We thank you for the care. We thank you, Lord, that you have made a way that none of us needs to remain in our shame. None of us needs to think we're alone. None of us needs to live in fear because we know you have made a way. You will never leave us or forsake us. And you are well able to meet every need. So we give you praise. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross, for taking the punishment 
for sin that we deserved and instead trading the punishment for everlasting life and forgiveness of sins. So we thank you, Lord, for giving that to us. We remember what you've done. We will not forget. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ which was broken for you. Hallelujah. And this is the blood of Christ which was shed for you. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your kindness, and your love. I'm going to open the front up for personal prayer in just a second. Come on down, get personal prayer. This is another way to practice obedience and hearing from God. If you think, oh man, I should go down for prayer, come down for prayer. Don't don't turn around and go the other way. Be obedient to that prompting, and then you'll be able to learn and grow. So let's, let's close in prayer, and then I'll invite people to come down for personal, individual prayer. So Heavenly Father, we do honor you. And Lord, I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. Lord, I pray your peace would be upon us. Lord, that you would just flood us with your spirit, that we could have your joy, that we could have your kindness, that we could have your gentleness. Lord, all those fruits of the spirit, Lord, would overflow from within us, Lord, from you. Lord, bless us in that way. Help us to grow day by day. And Lord, help us to hear from your spirit so that we can be led and receive the promise that Jesus talked about. Lord, let us grab hold of that. And Father, I pray as we leave this place that your light would shine in our hearts so bright that would it overflow into this world. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.